0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of Bevelations, my new podcast here on iTunes and Google Play. I am so excited to announce that due to overwhelming demand uh, from my viewing audience and the fact that I've had so many amazing interviews with uh, my friends and amazing people here in Philly, that we are going to a weekly podcast. My... Intention originally was to do bi-weekly, but it feels like that's just a little too much time in between while I'm trying to build an audience here, so you lucky ducks are going to be getting a new episode every Monday, or that is at least the plan, uh, because I'm just cranking out these bitches left and right. I'm getting drunk, I'm having amazing conversations with these people, and you just need to hear them, and I want them to be able to promote their events within a timely manner, and yeah, so... I'm excited to be back. Um, we are going to be uh, speaking with my good gal pal, Ms. Mimi. I'm first today, and I don't want to hold back from getting started, but I do want to say that I am looking for uh, some sponsorships here for the podcast. So if you are a local philadelphia lgbt business owner and are interested in advertising your business here within my humble little podcast please message me you can find me on facebook or instagram or email uh so give me a shout out if you'd like to partner up with me uh because unlike other bitches i am not sponsored by squarespace or the amazing third love t-shirt memory foam bra as so many of the podcasts that i listen to are but, anywho, uh, sit back, relax, enjoy this amazing conversation I had with the world renowned and Philadelphia's own Ms. Mimi. I'm first. Bye. Bye. Today we are joined by Mimi I'm First. This lady needs no introduction, but I'm going to read one anyway. Mimi I'm First is the alter ego of Brayden Chapman, a larger-than-life... I just got a dirty look. uh, A larger-than-life drag queen, recording artist, and performer. Aside from two notorious turns on RuPaul's Drag Race, as Mimi I'm First... As Mimi I'm... Fuck. (laughs) See how professional I am? As Mimi, I'm 1st not first. used
1: to reading professional He lives. has That's also appeared
0: in drag on Nurse Jackie, Celebrity Apprentice, Blue Bloods, and I'm famous. That's all I need to know.
1: <laughs> I'm famous. That's all
0: I need to know. I'm fucking reading an IMDB page. It's fine. He is currently the reigning 2017 Missed America after winning notorious national drag After winning the Notorious... I I should have pre-read this. Oh, well, we'll fix this in editing. Welcome, Mimi Eifers! Yay! We're off to a fabulous start already. You're already more pleasant than Satine Harlow was, and and you've said a third of the words. Was she cranky? I didn't... she, um, she just started cursing like a sailor right off the bat. Oh, that's really good. Classy. At, Anita, Anita Manhattan was very um, very lovely and classy and got us off on the right foot. And then um, Satine Harlow came in and, as she normally does, ruined everything. Well, you know,
1: as Bev would say, this is why we can't, we can't have, have nice, nice things. things. Exactly.
0: So, hi, Mimi.
1: Hi. This is a little bit like Deja Vu. We've done this once before. No, you you recorded the first and only edition of my podcast, Listen Queen, one of my... Which is probably still available on iTunes or something. Yeah, it it? it might be. It's on YouTube for sure. Yeah. There's other episodes of that podcast that were were recorded but never released. Oh, really? Yeah. With who? Uh, A couple queens. I know there's one with Iris. Why the fuck didn't you release them? I don't know. I got bored. (laughs) Well... So welcome, welcome to my apartment. Um, We
0: were just commenting, anyone who comes over automatically uh, comments on the 45 wig heads that stare at you no matter where you are in the apartment. They're like those paintings with the eyes that follow you around. Mm -hmm. It's just 45 blank stares with um, various states of frizzy wigs looking at you
1: it's a horror movie honestly where it's it's a flashback to my old life before i kicked mimi out of my house (laughs) that's true you recently well not recently you have a you have a studio space now for yeah when i when i moved to when i moved to philly i decided that i after living in new york city and living literally on top of and under my drag at the same time that i would no longer allow my drag to live at my house
0: Yeah, Luke's going to come home from... For those who don't know, my my husband Luke has been in Korea for about six months now. He's got three more months to go. And um, in those six months, like, there's drag on his side of the closet now. There's about 20 more wig heads than there were when he left. He's going to come home and be like, so what the fuck is this?
1: But... We'll cross that bridge when it happens. It's going to be like that episode of Schitt's Creek when she when <laughs> she has no room for her. No, David! Where <laughs> <laughs> she can't put the two
0: wigs in the bag together because they don't like <laughs> each don't other. They
1: don't get along. What
0: for those who don't know what Schitt's Creek is, it's this hysterical show on Pop, the Pop Network. Uh, the first two seasons are on Netflix now. It's um, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy, their son Dan. Or um, Eugene Levy's son Dan, and then this other actress. It's, it's
1: about this like really really wealthy so funny. family like in the what's the Queen of Versailles like very it, much like so that like level that. of yeah. that level of extreme like ridiculously wealthy wealth and their uh, business manager embezzles all their money runs off doesn't pay any of the taxes and the government is repossessing everything they own and that's in the first five minutes of the episode. Right. and the
0: only asset that they're left is a town that they bought their son as a joke for like his bar mitzvah, and it's a town in the middle of nowhere called Schitt's Creek, and they have to live there <laughs> in the motel. In the
1: motel. It's hysterical. With adjoining rooms. Yeah. It, it's It is hysterical, but Catherine O'Hara wins the award for it. She is she wears so underrated, wig. and I love her so much.
0: Ever since Beetlejuice, I've loved me some Catherine O'Hara. She's kind of brilliant. Yeah. So, Mimi, you're a busy gal. Tell yeah. us about tell us about life these days.
1: Uh, well, I'm currently on a little drag hiatus, which has been lovely. You're very you're like sporting a Grizzly Adams realness
0: right now. I know. You I could know. go to the bike stop basement right now and not turn turn head. I I love it.
1: Yeah. No. I um I'm I'm a bear officially. I guess. Right now. <laughs> this is the most this is the most hair I've ever had on my face in ever in my life because I started doing drag when I was fifteen. So and I've I've never had more than maybe ten days off between a gig or something or performing or something. And so I have never had like a beard. Right. Except for now.
0: So, um, so you're in splitting your time now, basically between
1: here in Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm here. For your day job. Yeah, I'm traveling. I'm I'm here in Philadelphia on the weekends, and then I'm down in Fort Lauderdale in uh, Wilton Manors during the week, running a gay travel agency called Alan Chuck dot That's Al and Chuck Dot Travel. Bing. Yeah, and so I, I do that during the day, and at night, I so am, She's a career girl now. She's got
0: herself a day job. I got a welcome, day job. Welcome to the world of those of us who have to deal with a fucking nine-to-five and then try to be a drag queen at nighttime.
1: Yeah, well, the opportunity kind of landed to me in, in rather unfortunate circumstances. Right. But... Um, you know, right thing, and oddly, you know, a bizarre right time, and I, uh, I feel very lucky because now I can choose the gigs I want to do mm-hmm. as opposed to just taking them because I need them. It's very easy. I think for all of us, especially, like, doing drag, or especially if you've been on Drag Race, there's, like, this immense pressure to succeed, and that... Pressure comes internally, especially when you start comparing yourself to the other girls. Mm-hmm. And what are they? Oh my God! Your brain starts going crazy, and I just wanted to turn that off. And so I, this opportunity came at the time that I needed it to. But does she
0: have health insurance and a four hundred one k? yet? she sure as does. Yeah, she sure as does. Every day at my job, when it's when it's killing me slowly from the inside, and I'm this close to walking out, I'm just like, you have fucking health insurance. You have retirement. Just shut up and deal with it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's nice because it allows you to kind of uh, get away from the craziness, and um, so uh, as not as part of your
0: day job, but you recently took a cruise to Cuba, and you were the first drag
1: queen to perform in Cuba. American drag. Uh, it, it, it wasn't actually a cruise; we just went. I we, thought it was one. Of, I thought it was a cruise. No, 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 no. no. We flew down into um, into Santa Clara. And which is in Cuba, mm-hmm. and then we uh, went to Trinidad. We stayed in Trinidad for a night, and then went to San which is an artist town in uh, Cuba, and then we went to Havana, where I performed, and we had now. Just so you understand, it's not like there are options at the car rental place. You get kind of whatever they're going to give you. <laughs> it's either a
0: donkey or, no, that's racist, never mind. It,
1: well, <laughs> no, but that's their form of taxi. It's a, it's a cart pulled by a donkey, like literally, or a horse, actually. And um, what, the, what the parents do is, is to distract their children, the young children. They pay like a, like our equivalent of a quarter, like for them to put the kid on the back of a cart pulled by a little donkey and it goes around the square for, I don't know, 20 minutes and lets the mom like, do her shopping. <laughs> so they just send their children out with the livestock they do. to occupy them. And my coworker and friend it's Alejandro. It's their version of an iPhone. It's just like, here, honey, take your iPhone and yeah. play with it to put Go play with yourself.
0: the play with them, Um
1: My friend Alejandro from Cuba, uh, and uh, he, he told us we were down there, he said that his mom would uh his mom had a little extra money and she would give the guy like two dollars and he would <laughs> just take be him stuck for on, the cart on the hour, around and around and around That's but uh, but yeah we had a little tiny car and so it was it was kind of it was kind of a tuang fu moment uh with all the luggage and bullshit but uh we had a good time and you performed vogue i performed express yourself express
0: yourself okay was that your choice or their choice
1: No, it was my choice because I was weary of there there was going to be a language barrier. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was worried about what they would or wouldn't know. And I thought Express Yourself was such a safe choice. They had never heard it. They had never heard it? The dancers had... The dancers... I don't know. I'm sure some of the crowd had, but you have eight gay dancers and none of them have heard Express Yourself by Madonna. (laughs) But that's... That's what we're dealing with in Cuba. It's kind of crazy. That's wild. Wow. Wow. It's really wild. It was. It was an incredible moment. It was just one of those. The club was was uh, wasn't tiny to American standards, but it was not. It was not a big club. Mm-hmm. But it was. It was way over capacity. It was one of those. If there's a fire, we're all dying oh, moments. God. Like yeah. I was kind of like. There's a window in the dressing the drop, room. The drop
0: ceiling is about to come yeah, all down. Yeah.
1: The wind. And so. Um, but it was very funny, you know, they don't they don't have access to television like we do, so they don't really necessarily know what RuPaul's Drag Race is. Mm. There were some Drag Race Cuban fans who couldn't believe that RuPaul Girl was there. They were like, we have to go through all these hoops to watch oh, it. Yeah. And they send um, the Cubans, they have someone in the United States who goes back and forth on a plane and put, downloads American episodes and puts it on a thumb drive and carries a thumb drive back to Cuba, and then it gets copied in and disseminate so they get all the american programs like 2 weeks, 3 weeks behind. Wow. That's a lot. And it's in english probably obviously. Do imagine if you had to do that to watch scandal like send <laughs> send like your friend to like Guam, <laughs> I don't watch scandal but that's fine. Down, You don't watch scandal? I don't watch this. Really, it's over.
0: Watch scripted this, television. This I literally is watch over. I literally watch the real housewives of insert city here and um and like snapped on oxygen. Olivia Pope is a goddess. <laughs> you are an idiot. I know. I know. I don't fully watch a lot of scripted TV. I'm sorry. I'm a very busy lady. So um, take us back. I know you've done a bunch of podcasts about like your, your childhood and growing up and all that stuff. But this is I'm trying to keep this like a Philly centric kind of podcast. Okay. So um, you're very quick to point out that you are the first uh, RuPaul's Drag Race to be on, from Philly uh, on television. Whenever anyone asks who the first one will be, you say that you're the first. So tell us about how you came to um, do so much in
1: Philly. It started as an accident. I was working um, in New York at the time uh, doing gigs all over in a bar that I used to work at that I first first started in uh, called OW bar, which is on uh, the East Side. Is that of what Manhattan. it's still called? It's now called Evolve or something. It's changed names a couple mm-hmm. times. But it's on the East Side and all the there's no other gay bars over there. It's kind of there's 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 The townhouse, which would be like the equivalent of of Nock. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's another gay bar across the street called O.W. Bar, or it was called O.W. Bar. And I had been there for a long time. I left, and I had been doing gigs all over the city, other venues. And they asked me to come back to do like a one-night-only thing, and I did. And at the time, I was working for the Broadway League, which produces the Tony Awards. Mm -hmm. And I there was a guy in the audience who I had interviewed him and asked him what he said that he did for a living. And he said he worked for Lowe's hotels. The president of the, of the Broadway league was the vice president of Lowe's hotels. So I was like, Oh, do you know so-and-so? And he did. And we just hit it off. And it turned out that his friend was opening a gay bar in Philly Uh, Q Lounge, which used to be Bump, which is now. And for those who listen to the podcast,
0: Satine talked about that a little bit in the last episode.
1: See, so it all comes full circle. Full circle. This is like Lord of the Rings. Like Mm -hmm. she's the the she's the Hobbit. It'll be it's a trilogy. I can just end it now when it's no. So keep going. And um, they asked me to host the opening. I said, "Well, I happen to be coming to Philly to see Elton John in concert, (laughs) so I so it worked out. that I was going to be there the next week for could meet them. I did." And they asked me to do the, the opening. That went fantastic. And then they offered me my own weekly show. I've been doing the weekly show in Philly. It was me and Navea Shea and Cherry Pop. It was the three of us. And then Isis and Omira. Uh, and how did you meet Nevea and Cherry? Did they, they were waiters oh, at, at the, the restaurant. And so the three of us just kind of started this like stupid show. Salata T was a DJ. And oh, I love Salata T. It was it was a lot it was a lot of fun. Um, it grew like we started getting special guests. Like Omira came and and, um, and uh, Isis came, uh, Brenda Darling, Diana Darling. That whole crew came out of that little group, um, and it was like the first kind of weekly show in Philly that was that had been successful for a hot minute, aside from Bob and Barbara's. Right. This is way, this is even before Sinful even ever came about, obviously. And, um, it kind of just blew up. It got very big. And then like a year into it, I got cast on Drag Race. And, uh, so Drag Race, I went and I filmed it. I came back. We continued with the show. And like a month before Drag Race aired, the bar closed, went out of business, and. Uh, and for those unfamiliar, this is where Bud and
0: Maryland's is now. Yes, Satine clarified that because I knew I had been there when it was Bump, but Q Lounge was in between. In between, because I had I had a friend mm-hmm. who worked there in college, but it was already like Rhino or something. When yeah, it was I, it was a hot second when I moved here.
1: Um, and then I literally, it was very funny because the show was the show was. Very successful, and, and people were loving it. And so when it abruptly went out of business with no notice, virtually all the gay bars in the city were like called me and said, would you bring your show here? And so it was funny because I just literally went around in, in a day and met with every bar owner. Yeah. And they were just like, well, this will because well, the show would not be the same. It had to become right. something and different. Which venue would it fit in? Right. What venue would what, – well, what would I want the show to be depending on the venue? And ultimately, I went with Voyeur. And, uh, you know, it was so funny because people which said, which was it called voyeur then? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. It was voyeur then. Yep. A lot of people told me not to go there. They said, oh, you'll last three months and they'll get, they'll throw you out. And I've been there for eight years now, seven years, something like that. So, um, you know, it's been a great relationship and I've been very happy. Awesome. So that's the story. So then um, that was Dollhouse, and then Dollhouse... Dollhouse, well, it was Work Wednesdays was the original show. Mm-hmm. Then it became, and we moved to Voyeur, we created a new show called The Dollhouse. Okay. And that became its own phenomenon. Right.
0: And that was on, because when I moved here, it, was, it had just moved, I think, from Wednesdays to Thursdays. Yes. Because it was Thursdays, and Drag Wars was on Tuesdays, and yes. then... It moved to Thursdays. Drag wars moved to Thursdays, so um, Drag Wars. That's how you and I sort of met, and have um, continued this illustrious. It's been a while. Friendship. I know. Isn't it crazy? Psycho... we're getting ready to start eight, and you I started cycle three? In cycle three. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I had heard about you prior to prior to Drag Wars. And everyone was like, oh, there's this new queen, Bev, and, like, she's got this Christian schtick. She's busted. <laughs> and, like, they were like, oh, like, her makeup. They, no, they didn't say these are busted, but they were like, she, like, her look is very funny and very campy. Yeah. And, um, you were, like, very, like, into, like, character, like, Bev as a character. Right. And it started off very different than it is. Yeah. Yeah. You were, we don't have to, do- that wasn't what our whole other podcast
0: ended up being the last time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how my drag changed. But um, yeah, it's crazy like to think like how long it's been, and like, cause I feel like I haven't been doing drag though. I mean, it's only been like maybe three, three years, three and a half, four years now. Has it been so? I, I didn't know. really do it before I moved here, and I moved here almost five years ago, so.
1: We're getting ready to start cycle eight, yay! Cycle eight of Drag Wars is coming up, coming soon. April thirteenth. Okay, okay. that's an exclusive right here. I was like, I don't know when this
0: is actually going to come out, but (laughs) I'll make sure it comes out before then. All right, April thirteenth. April thirteenth, which is very exciting. Um, I guess I can say I'm excited to be back as a mentor. Yes, the uh, the winningest mentor in Drag Wars history. I'm just saying
1: the winningest. I have. You are I do have such the most a. Winners. You are such a Philly person. Philly nightlife is so like. I have to have a superlative What is it? What's it called? Superlative. Superlative, or I'm nothing. I was the first, <laughs> no! or the most. I'm just saying, or the best. I or have you the don't exist. If winners. you don't, if you don't have a superlative, you are you are nothing. I most am the smartest. most Most smartest, smartest Loretto. That's real good. Why most is Philly so obsessed with that? It's just like. I'm the first ever most. You are the bestest.
0: first one to point out that you were the first one on Drag Race. I was the first one. I was the first one.
1: No, uh, but I don't. But I don't. <laughs> but I don't put in. But there's a difference. I'm not putting in my thing. The first Philly drag queen to be on Drag Race. I just think it's funny when people are like, "When are we gonna have the first drag queen from Philly?" And I was like, "Hello." I was doing a show here for a year. Before I ever I'm even got cast on the show, time. don't get defensive. No, I'm not, but I'm just. But it's just funny to me that people are. just I like, just
0: take pride in the fact that I am a good mentor. That's all.
1: Just saying. You are a very good mentor. I think that. Um, I think that our other mentors are out for you. This cycle and. That's fine. What is what is the key to being a good mentor? I I try to be very helpful, mm-hmm. uh, very hands on. Not
0: necessarily like do everything for them like previous mentors have done, but I do try to, like, listen to their mixes beforehand, give them some ideas, my critique of what it would be, help them there. if I'm, I you as know, I have eight million wigs upstairs, so I'm always good to, like, give you something if I have it. Um, I have a lot of resources that some other mentors may not have. Um, But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back. I'm sitting far away from the microphone. Um, So let's see. And we're back! Yay! Mimi and I are both enjoying. For those c- curious, we are enjoying a nice, cool glass of Franzia crisp white. And I just stopped the podcast to put an ice cube in mine because I don't like it tepid.
1: you let put an ice cube in mine. It was a little gift from the gods. Cheers. <laughs> that's a
0: that's a tip. That's a tip from Judy Meyer Gaver.
1: Shout out to Judy Gaver.
0: We like we always put a little ice cube in our wine because it can never be too cold. That's what I was oh. always taught. that's so. You no know, one time, f- funny Judy story, one time I went home when I was in college, and she's like, oh, I made dinner, and I made sangria. I was like, oh, that's fun. She bought Arbor Mist sangria and cut up strawberries in it. I'm like, mom. She's like, I put fruit in it. No. <laughs> Just because you cut up fruit and put something in it that said sangria does not necessarily make it sangria.
1: Adam Carolla, i Adam Carolla. We, right. from the man show yeah, or yeah. whatever right this is a okay. so
0: <laughs> random
1: as a person so to bring did, up on a gay podcast but when okay when we did when we did dragapalooza in LA he had, his liquor company was the sponsor <laughs> of uh dragapalooza and it is a sangria for men called mangria mangria like we were just like is the name with beer or something like, instead mang- of wine no it's just it's just for men Oh, we okay. Like, like Mangria, the sponsor of Drag Wars, uh, Drag Drag This is great. That's
0: hysterical. So, um, so season aside from Drag Wars coming up, season nine of Drag Race is about to come up. Yes. Um, Do you know any of the girls from, um, from New York? Because there's a couple of New York girls. Peppermint, I know
1: Peppermint. Oh, of course. That's it. Just her. Just her. Oh, okay. I like some of the girls I've seen in crossing like I know of them. I don't I don't like right. I couldn't say like I knew them. Cool. I've been talking to some of them, you know, they Kamora
0: came to brunch on Saturday. She yeah, was very nice. I didn't she, say more than two words to her, but she seemed very She was in Philly pleasant. for like a
1: week. Yeah. Um, I I've, I've been chatting with uh, Eureka and uh, James recently a little bit online and they're mm-hmm. very sweet, very kind. Um, I get a Varla Jean Merman vibe from James Mansfield. She loves
0: Varla. Well, that's clearly very obvious. Down clearly. to the voice, the hair, the yeah. jewelry, the outfits, yeah, everything. Fair. It's like, oh, honey. But uh, any advice for, for, I know many of them will be listening to this Philly based podcast, but any
1: uh, advice for the incoming Drag Race girls? Enjoy the ride. And enjoy the ride because it's over. Get that money while you can. It's over real quick. Yeah. It's it gets. I think it gets over faster and faster for the girls, and less and less of them. It becomes harder. And there's so much pressure. A, it's yeah. hard. It becomes. It gets harder to have a long-term legacy. Yeah. With, with the new. There's always gonna be one or two that get really lucky. Mm-hmm. This fans gravitate onto them, but you know we've all seen like even some of the winners like. You think they're gonna like blow up and be huge, and then like nine months later, people are like crickets. Tyra Sanchez. <laughs> I'm not saying any names. I know. I can't. No. I don't know who the fuck I am, so it's fine. But um, it's hard. I will say that, like, it's. I think people like look at Drag Race as like, oh, it's the golden, you know, parachute uh, that every drag queen wants. It's the golden ticket. You're gonna get it, and you're set. And the reality is, you you end up working twelve times harder. Than right. you did before you got on the show. The pressure's higher. The everybody loves to watch somebody fall, so they're just kind of waiting for you to fall. Right. I listened to a bunch of different podcasts, and I forget which one it was, but it was Jackie
0: Beat was the the guest, and she was like, everyone thinks Drag Race is this like golden ship to um, to fame, and there's so many people falling over the ledge
1: <laughs> or like walking the plank off of the cruise
0: ship. Yeah. To to so. Yeah.
1: It's true. It's true. It's all what you make of it. So you know, enjoy it. And I just, I just encourage drag queens who are not on it to not put so much stock in it. Yeah, I get, I get that it's an easy way to make a lot of money, and like, we should all be that successful. But um, it's not the only route to fame, especially nowadays. Um, yeah. You know. So if you, I, I always say, if you can make your own fame, you're, you're twelve times better off. Awesome. And you just recently won Missed America. Miss America. Miss apostrophe D America. Missed America. Congratulations. Thank tell you. Us, tell us about that experience. Um, I just kind of decided to do it on a whim and just kind of went in. Like, I just went in. Like, I just like, all right, I'm going to... F- can I swear on this? Yeah. I fuck, gonna, fuck, 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 yeah. like, fuck. I'm going to fucking do it. And um, I really... I... I I knew going into it that I, that I stood a good chance of winning. Like I just had that mentality and I think that helps. You have to have that mentality. It's, or why would you put the amount of time and effort into yeah. it? Like that's how I feel with
0: comedy queen. It's like, if I'm going to put all this fucking money and effort into it, I'm going to go into it with the
1: mentality that I'm going to win. Yeah. Pageant, pageants are hard They're because they're, they're just a lot of work. That's the part of it. It just, they're just, there's no way around it. Yeah. It's just a lot of work and a lot of money. Yeah. A lot, and even the pri- the prize money never even comes close to what you actually spend on it, yeah um so that's the that's the hard part of pageants um there are things I was very happy with how I did. There are things I would definitely want to tweak and do better um it was your first year doing it, right, my first time ever, yeah, yeah, so you kind of didn't even know like what to expect. nope, just went in and did it. I mean, I knew enough people who had done it to like and I watched a lot of I did my homework right.
0: Well, that's fun. So, yeah. um, so let's see. I always like to uh, do the whole, like, 20 questions okay. um, thing. So, let's see. Let's always start with... I feel with, this podcast is very serious. It's a lot less serious than the fucking one you and I did last time where it was like, well, what's the difference between comedy drag and pageant drag? It's very serious. <laughs> by by by, by, by. Well, what, what else do you want to talk about? I don't know. What are we going to talk about? Seedless watermelons. How do they do it? (laughs) No. I mean, it's about, like, I want this to be about, like, getting to know the people behind the facade. Oh, okay. So, um, what's your favorite color? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But, no, I always ask, like, what's your your most favorite thing you've ever done in drag? Like, what's your proudest moment in drag?
1: My favorite thing I've... Ever done in drag. Um, I, I well, you know, I wasn't actually I wasn't in drag for it, but it was a drag project. But divine intervention was probably
0: for those who don't know what that is, explain to the to the listeners.
1: Divine intervention is a play that I came up with uh, and pitched to a playwright friend of mine, uh, E Dale Smith, about uh, divine. I had this concept. Of a stage being split down the middle, and the two sides of the stage being mirror images of each other, and a character in drag talking to themselves out of drag and having a conversation and i I said that was the the concept was there and then I said, maybe it's about divine and uh I pitched it to uh to Dale, and he came up with the idea that it would take place on divine's final night night before she died before she died in her hotel room. Um, because as, she, as her career progressed, she struggled a lot with uh, of her value as a male actor. For those As, who don't know
0: who Divine is, I'm treating this like people yeah, might be okay. idiots. Divine was the famous drag queen in all of John Waters' early movies, mm-hmm. most notably known for Pink Flamingos mm-hmm. or uh, Hairspray. She was the original Edna Turnblad in Hairspray. Look that shit up, because the original Hairspray is a genius.
1: It's, uh, no, it Divine was quite brilliant in many ways, and uh, very... You know, very complicated, and it's very funny diving into a project like Divine, who's so immortalized, we didn't know, there's not a lot of information out there about the, the, about the person in a centralized location. It's, you know, Divine is an icon on the scale of a Marilyn Monroe or Judy yeah. Garland, these, tra- these famous figures who died. Right, um, which only added to their which added fame to their, and their fame their and, and immortalized them at the peak of their career. Right, when somebody dies at the, at the peak of their career, dies young, we don't get to see them old, so they become frozen in time. So Divine was this frozen in time icon that has been, you know, is so that image of Divine on the cover of Pink Flamingos with the red dress and the gun is so Iconic. emblazoned in queer culture to the fact that that the look is recreated for the Little Mermaid. You know, yep. um, and uh, it's something that was just so embedded, but we didn't know anything. There, was, there's t- there were two books about Divine. Uh, one was written by uh, Divine's manager, Bernard J., uh, that came out r- uh, really immediately after Divine's death. Um, and then there's a book by Divine's mother, mother I was say, didn't that came out yeah. years later that was almost written as a counter-argument to Bernard's book. So Bernard's book, who is... Bernard was just ready to cash in, so his book is really kind of, like, scathing and bitter right. and uh, I would say i unba- very unbalanced and divine's mother decided to write the equally unbalanced book. My son was an angel. Well, I was going to say my and son was, a, was a the truth example. has to lie somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just, well, there's so, a
0: documentary that I think is very, very even keeled as to like,
1: yeah, the documentary really hit the nail on the head. His I would say there's still a lot of stuff that was left out of the documentary. Um, you know, things that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, They they still wanted divine to look good, but Mm -hmm. divine was complicated. Divine was not perfect. Divine was not some saint. Divine was uh, certainly gluttonous. Divine was certainly a spoiled brat um, who had everything that everything that divine got he never worked for. Like literally, he uh, John Waters like somebody else created John Waters gave him the name at the bus stop and said, "You are divine." And that's how the name came out. His parents gave him a flower, uh, a hairdressing salon. He, he ran the business into the ground. His, his, they bought him a car. He crashed it. They gave him a credit card. He would throw parties and spend $800 on flowers. And you know, like everything, the movies, it was all give the disco career. Bernard J was like, you're going to have it. You're going to be a disco singer. Like it was just Literally. in the documentary.
0: Didn't like the friend is the one that created the whole, like, we're going to shave your hair back and do the,
1: it was, um, uh, the it was, uh, the
0: artist. The Van wardrobe. Smith.
1: Yeah. Van Smith, who was, was brilliant. Right. Did all of Divine's uh, cost? He was the Matthew Anderson of Divine. Seriously, if you were, if you were, and uh, you know, uh, created that iconic look that would yeah. then last forever. But you know, I think that part of the problem was that no one, um, no one saw Divine's estate or the image as a value, standing on its own for so long. You know, uh, in the nineties. Up until now, when drag is so hot, now the drag is hot. People are like, oh, there's image in this. And in well, I feel like there's image. always
0: been like the underground culture that's been like keeping it going. Like, sure. I'm from Baltimore. I remember as, for as long as I was a kid, hearing about like this drag queen that died, and every year somebody goes and paints fingernails on the the tombstone and and the. This is where, because I grew up in the, or in and around there. Like, there's a bar, one of the gay bars in Baltimore, the Drinkery, is out front where she ate dog shit in Pink Flamingos. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I just wish she, I just wish she was still alive because I would love to like hear her perspective on the world as a pioneer, like looking back. She never got that opportunity to look. back. She would back. have had gastric bypass. She would be super skinny. <laughs> She'd be on like you know uh, had a bunch of face work done. Yeah, and I, like Amanda I, Laporte. I'm I sure. don't know. I just don't know where she would be and what her opinion would be. Like she, would, I don't know if she could ever believe where the world is at. Um, but anyway, so find adventure was just, was I came with a concept and we uh, did it here in Philly. And uh, we uh, took it to New York to the Fringe Festival. It won Best Play at the Fringe Festival. Widely well received in all the reviews, were just stellar. Um, fantastic cast of actors. Uh, Shout out to Cleopatra! Cleo star of Divine Intervention, and, uh, along with Ryan Walter, who just, the two of them had to move in synchronization the whole time. They shaved yeah. their heads yeah. to look, look like Divine, which is the crazy. ugliest haircut on the they planet. Look crazy. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, you know, it was a. Um, it was a great product. So that's my favorite drag awesome.
0: related. Um, and let's see, what's your, what's your most embarrassing drag moment?
1: Um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have any I'm thinking my most embarrassing. I've had things happen. Uh, you know, dresses rip. Um, you know, while performing, or a wig falling off, or a shoe breaking, those things are always more stressful for me than more embarrassing. Have you ever fallen? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, many times. I fell a
0: couple weeks ago at eye candy. Yeah, if, if dressed as a
1: shame now. If you haven't fallen in drag, you're not doing drag. <laughs> um, I think that I think that I think what's embarrassing is maybe when you've tried an idea that you think is really good, and then you get there, and the audience is like, uh, that's hard. Um, I'm trying to think of of an embarrassing, embarrassing moment Um, that's just like flat out pure embarrassing. Like, oh, I was... I don't know. I can't think of an embarrassing, embarrassing moment.
0: that's fine. What's Um, yours? Um... I mean, there's uh, – well, my, my uh, night that I bombed doing my Bill Cosby number because I had done that so many times and thought it was just hysterical and never thought of the counter argument about how misogynistic it was in its content. And not that I necessarily agree with that opinion, but I didn't realize that there would be that opinion to it. And it was the first time I ever got that type of criticism on – something that I'd done, and I was so quick to dismiss it, and it took me a little while to realize that like, while I may not agree with that argument, it is a valid argument, and I can't fault others for having that reaction to something I do. Just because I think it's funny doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that other people think it's funny.
1: Well, it's so hard because... Drag and his, to know
0: your audience. That was the first time I to, ever. You have to know. Mis- you're, you're, I completely oh my God. misinterpreted the
1: audience. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, <laughs> now I learned. <laughs> you know but, though? But drag for so long was so counterculture and so subversive and so like, I'm gonna poke fun at everything. And you could. And now that everything is so politically correct yeah. and also everything is so documented on cameras, on Instagram, on what, on YouTube, whatever. There's like, now you can't. And people are afraid to laugh at those things. It's not necessarily that, that politically incorrect people aren't out there. They're afraid of being judged if they laugh at it. So I think that political correctness has kind of ruined um, the ability for drag to be satirical yeah. and to kind of really be the ultimate lowbrow poke fun of the hardest things in life. I just think it sucks that like, everything needs a disclaimer now. Like...
0: Warning! Ooh. This is meant to be funny. To, like, this is them. meant to be. I did a show. I got booked to do a show in in Baltimore, where um, there was opposition from. It was a P flag um, show. With shout out to Judy that um, I got through my mom's involvement with B flag, and there was concern that the drag performers were going to be um, offensive to the trans people in the audience, and they wanted to start the show with basically an apology to anyone who would be offended. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're not gonna start off a lighthearted, fun drag charity event with an apology or a disclaimer. We'll we'll make sure that everything's light and bright and fun and make sure that no one gets to that point. It's not gonna be one of those shows where I'm doing an abortion number on stage. We'll keep it light, we'll keep it bright, we'll keep it fun.
1: Yeah. It just sucks that like that's
0: like you, it's like, no, we're not gonna start the show with an apology.
1: Look, I've been protested Uh, literally, literally, like (laughs) nationally, when I was in New York and I started doing my shtick doing the Virgin Mary, it got out to uh, like the Catholic, like uh, the Catholic advocacy coalition, which apparently is a thing and uh, was on their like message boards about this, (laughs) about this, Mm -hmm. this, a homosexual in New York Doing a play About the Virgin Mary Where the homosexual Played the Virgin Mary In drag And that was just So sacrilegious And uh, They protested my show And like Thousands Of angry Catholics Paraded through Thousands times. Well it was Alright so 600 <laughs> That's 600 <laughs> Thousand Five hundred Five hundred Six hundred Pandora Box thousand, Led 600. the revolution No I'm just but it was like it was, it was it was it was it was like it was a lot. It was like six hundred people for a little two-person cabaret show seemed like thousands. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so uh, you can add that out. But anyways, six hundred angry. We don't edit this shit. It all goes in. We don't edit it. <laughs> so six hundred um, uh, Catholics like paraded up and down Times Square protesting my show with like my face on signs. And nice. like gigantic banners had sacrilege, and like they had like statues of the Virgin Mary and Jesus and the altar boys and the incense and the water and the whole thing, and it was they were wrote there was a prayer rally rally. There's this brilliant sign, ultimate <laughs> cabaret show. Ultimate little cabaret show. Um, uh, all right, now I'm gonna tell I'll tell a story about this. Well, okay. You want it? You want it? You want an inside scoop? Sure. You, you. I mean, everybody is. Everybody's getting the inside. I don't know scoop. if I should tell the inside scoop. I don't care. Go ahead. Who cares? On it. There's like probably like ten people to listen to this. Um, I may or may not have emailed the Catholic Coalition as a concerned Christian woman <laughs> about the show to let them know. <laughs> <laughs> you caused your. Own, you're such an asshole. I wrote them, and I was like, I'm very concerned about this show. It had been bubbling already on the message boards, but, like, I really wanted to make sure... So like, you just stoked do the fire? It. Yeah, I stoked it. And <laughs> then they protested the show, and then the show ran for, like, two months. It, yeah. for, it was... So it worked. Any publicity is good publicity. It worked. But, like, there's this brilliant... Um, there's this brilliant photo that I have that I love of... It's the it's taken from under the marquee of my show with the sign, and it's... this is There was a little cabaret theater across the street from Studio 54 that doesn't exist anymore. And... There are like the hundreds of Catholics praying with all their signs, in front of a subway sandwich shop directly across the street. <laughs> and just like the marquee is in the foreground, and the um, the uh, the uh, subway sandwich shop and the prayers are in the back- background. It's like oh bless ye hoagie. And it got international <laughs> news when that happened. When that when it was like like uh, CNN came down and New York won and all these places. It was crazy. And the show ran for several months. We had um, thereafter.
0: we had some Bible beater woman yell at us yesterday at the bus stop outside of brunch when we were taking our, our, weekly, our daily bus stop photo. Yes. We were, like, posing for pictures, and she's like, The Bible! The Bible says you must repent! It's a sin! It's a sin! And this woman, who had brought her 8-year-old and 9-year-old daughters to brunch, literally, like... Clapped and was like, "Thank you, get away, get away, thank you," and like chased this woman away. We were like, "Yes, mom." That's she so brought cool. her daughters to a drag brunch and then chased away, chased away the religious Goodbye. nut job.
1: Goodbye. You Goodbye. Goodbye. a week asleep. Goodbye.
0: Yeah. So, um, all right. So, what are your? Tell us about your pet peeves. Your drag pet
1: peeves. Am I? Am I like? Uh, is there a limit? No. We're only we're only forty
0: minutes in, so you're good. I typically oh, okay, do like good. 50, fifty fifty five. So
1: okay, you're fine. good. Um, I. I uh, pet peeve. I hate bad undergarments or lack thereof. Like some like the skinny queens who think who they don't need to wear the bodysuit, so They just put on the tights and they don't put panties on. And they have the with the weird Barbie doll crotch. I hate that. <laughs> hate it. Okay. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Okay. Put on a pair of panties over your pantyhose. Mm-hmm. It just looks weird. <laughs> and that's it. No, that was number one. <laughs> I was like, okay, not where I thought you would start, but okay, there you go. Number two, I hate it when Drag Queens perform other Drag Queens songs. I, I agree with that. I hate that. I hate that. Even parodies. Like, I don't like, don't perform Chow Down by Chick fil A by Willem. Yeah.
0: Like, just don't like. Or anything by Alaska. It's like, it's Alaska. We
1: know that that's an Alaska song. We're, you're not you're not Alaska. Yeah, don't perform other Drag Queens songs. Don't perform other Drag Queens material. Don't, I hate when people take clips off of YouTube and they like, like, If I see one more drag queen performing Lady Bunny at Wigstock, like... It when she does like it takes two to make a thing alright like uh, her whole like mix, mix that she does I've seen people like literally oh, verbatim lift just it. lift the lift the audio and lip sync to Lady Bunny like it's Lady Bunny's voice like oh yeah girl like we know you stole the mix
0: Jackie B talks about like there's a queen that literally lifted her entire Christmas show oh yeah, yeah. start she's from New Hampshire and performs it to start to finish even with like the dialogue yeah. the ad libs the audience interactions yeah that's cr- like I would just never rude. have the balls I would never have the balls yeah no, just do that. rude.
1: Uh, what other pet peeves I have? Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, honestly, I'm not a huge stickler for rules. Like, I, like, I, I There are the some rules things I,
0: were meant to be broken. There are some <laughs> things
1: like that that drive me crazy. But then there are some things where, like, I'm like, I'm not of the philosophy that like, you have to keep your wig on. Like, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Or that, like, um, your Your shoes need to be a certain kind Now I know in Drag Wars I'm always like judging Like this, this, this But I try to base it off of like What you're presenting So if you're presenting a look That's going to be I'm pageant Then I'm going to judge you to A pageant standard standard. If you are going to be a camp queen Be a camp queen I guess my This is a big pet peeve in general And I hate it in theater So I think it translates over Whatever rules of the convention that you set up, follow those rules. So if your so, rules are, I'm going to be X,YZ, be X,YZ, don't be X,Y,Z and 7. It right. doesn't work. Right. Um, that's where, that's where I think people fall in trouble is in, is not following their own rules and not developing an aesthetic that they can follow. What
0: advice would you have to, not that Philadelphia needs any more drag queens, because there's 900 of us, but what, what advice would you have to a performer out there who might listen to this and think, oh, I've always wanted to either do drag or even not even drag, but like performance art in general, because v- Philly has such a vibrant, and this isn't going to be just drag queens. I'm hoping to have burlesque performers, musicians, boylesque, blah, blah, blah. What advice do you have for someone who is looking to start out well, as a performer?
1: I think this is true everywhere. It's not just Philly because I see it. You know, there are there's 800 million drag queens in every city right now. Yeah, that's just it's just it's popular. It's trendy. It's so funny because even in New York, I have noticed such a distinct change in drag because there are so many uh, Broadway like trained actors
0: mm-hmm. who would
1: come to New York and they would do the auditions and they would never touch drag because they were afraid it would ruin their career. They're like, nope, I do Nope, I won't do it. Now, they will. Because so you. So the New elsewhere. York drag scene has totally changed. It's now it's a lot of like, you get the the Broadway kids who can sing and dance and they're talented yeah. as hell. Um So that's interesting how that's changed in New York the entire drag scene because those because those kids would have never have dared touch drag. Um, so interest. So that's one side note that's interesting. Um, but I think that in general, I think that if you are going to do drag, like you just kind of have to be not afraid to make mistakes. That's my number one thing. It, in even with drag wars and when, when I'm looking for girls, girls are like, oh, I'm not ready. I'm like, yeah, you're ready. If you're going to, if you're doing drag, do it. If you've done drag more than once or twice, like you can do it. Like right. you just have to be wanting to commit to do right. it. There's not a level of like, uh, there's not a point. Where you know,
0: this I think is you have to, to go do. into it, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode with Satine. I'd like to talk of one of her pet peeves was um the sort of level of entitlement that certain performers have going into it, and it's like you have to go into something as a new performer. I tried very hard, and people might disagree with this, but I went in very like open to criticism. I didn't go in with a big attitude about like, well, no, this is who I am. And this is what I'm going to be like. You have to be, if you're going to put yourself out there, you have to be willing to take the, the ideas and, and criticisms of, of people who've been around longer than you.
1: Well, that's part of the training of drag wars is that the, it, the, the, the feedback that we give as judges is really just a reflection of what you're going to hear. People are going to give you advice Mm -hmm. Follow the advice of people you trust and ignore the advice of people that you don't. If you don't think that someone's opinion is valid, then don't give it any weight. That's totally fine. So you might be in the competition and like if someone like is like, oh, I don't like Bev. I don't like her style of drag. Then don't get offended by Bev's opinion because then it has no, it has no factor. No bearing. No bearing on what you're doing. Right. Um, So... I think that the biggest problem with Drag Wars I see sometimes is the girls go get in there and then they either can be really successful and then they falter and then they start to feel like they were promised something or they go into with this attitude and they realize, oh my god, there are 10 other really talented people in very different ways, apples and oranges, Mm -hmm. and you get you can easily your ego can, can your ego can destroy you in drag right. wars. Oh and yeah, we've seen it the, happen. The the key to success in drag wars is keeping that ego in check. That's the key to having a career after.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because the ones who their egos destroy them during the competition, it comes across as sourpuss and all of those people, every single one of them do not work. And no one wants to work with them. But they but it's it's a great platform, but if you take that opportunity and The biggest thing people take away from it is, is this person fun? Is this person easy to work with? Is this person easygoing? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes and yes. That means either I want to hire them or I'm a fan of them or I'm going to support them or I'm going to be friends with them or I'm going to book with them. If you come across as sourpuss – you come across as difficult or bitchy and, or entitled, and no one wants to work with that.
0: I always say to people, like, yes, in a competition setting, there's always going to be, like, you always bring, like, ten friends, but ten, the audience is made of more than your ten friends. There's always going to be somebody in that audience who just came out to see a show, and at the end of the night, they have to vote mm-hmm. for someone, and you have to win that person over mm-hmm. with your attitude, your performance, your likability, whether or not they... You were. They thought you were better than anyone else. Don't go in acting like a bitch, because that's gonna read to anyone in the audience. Well, and
1: that's the thing. The Drag Wars audience is fifty percent your friends, and fifty percent of people are fans of Drag Wars. So, so there's been a lot of talk recently
0: about whether or not there's too many competitions, too much. That what what the Philly nightlife scene needs what it, what it has too much of as someone who is one of the the biggest producers in that scene. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I don't necessarily come of the opinion that there are too many competitions. I think that the catch is making sure they're different enough from each other. Mm -hmm. I don't really, otherwise there's not, there's enough space for everybody. Um, I think that it's just, I think it's funny that people are really quick to villainize a competition for various reasons, but the reality is that they've been a part of drag culture Seriously, that's for what I said. For like, ever. Pageants
0: have been around for what, fucking ever. A pageant ever. is a one-night-only competition. Right. Like, and, that's what drag has been since, like, even, like... Balls, drag balls. That is a competition. You get a trophy at the end of the night. You're better than yeah. somebody else that was and, there.
1: Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and acknowledge that there's not a cost to competing in the competition. Like whether w- you can be really, really, really smart and you can do it for for a, for no money if you're really if you're really resourceful. Mm-hmm. You could go through drag wars. I spend very a, little money my first on a, my first on a dime. Cycle. If you're smart. Or you can go on the route of I'm going to spend to get through it, mm-hmm. but that's your choice. First of all, mm-hmm. second of all, if you're going to do a pageant, I guarantee you you're going to spend more money in one night than you're going to spend in an entire cycle of drag wars. Yeah, there's oh, uh, yeah. there's no way around it. No. So I just think it's funny that people are quick to villainize a competition for whatever reasons. It's fine. I'm not. I don't really take it to heart at all. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, I started doing competitions in drag in New York when I started. Started go to Star Search. Every single week And lose Every single week The last time I competed Was the night That Anna Nicole Smith died She died (laughs) Wow She died that afternoon I ran home Made an Anna Nicole Smith Number (laughs) Of course you did Why wouldn't you And overdosed on stage And they booed me Like it's so funny Because first of all (laughs) it, It was just like Everybody was making fun of Anna Nicole Smith the day before she died. And then she died. Like, she was some patron saint that saved children from burning orphans who had cancer. But it's like, she was a diet pill spokesmodel and a gold digger. Like, that's her legacy. And we, but people, it was just so funny. They booed me. They were like, you're never going to, people were like, get her off the stage. All these were like, you should never perform in the city ever again. And the owner offered me a job. <laughs> so politically incorrectness wins
0: yeah. um, I just think you'll be hard pressed right now in this current drag scene in Philly even the people that have been around for much longer than myself I'm sure have been involved in some type of a competition in some capacity like that's just the nature
1: of, pageants, of balls. any type of scene it was so funny it was like how dare you compete in a, in a, pat, in a contestant in a contest how dare you but here's my tape for RuPaul's Drag Race it's like, come on, girl. Get over it. I, I, you know, honestly, I'm not bothered. I, t- I think that what we do at Drag Wars, I think there's a level of quality. You come to the show. You're going to see a great show. You're going to be entertained. And the girls, again, if you don't let your ego destroy you, you will have a, I promise you, you will mm-hmm. have a career in Philly after it. The investment is worth it. And the, what's bizarre to me is this entitlement of, oh, I put drag on, so you should immediately pay me. Right. That is just and not I shouldn't how, have to I shouldn't
0: have to compete against someone else because I
1: You got to It's pay about your, art and it's about You got to like, pay your yeah. dues. I did drag for I did drag for a, for 6 7 years before anyone ever paid me to do it. Mm-hmm. So and you know, and now I have a very successful career based off of it. But it's just unfortunately as a drag queen which is an art form. Look at how many musicians out there are performing in coffee houses for no money. Like we, mm-hmm. I would say, in general, are lucky to be working in an art form where people pay you relatively quickly off the bat. There are a lot of artists out there that are in different genres and art forms and so forth that are not think of. They're not lucky. Think of the number of actors that are out there that are not getting gigs. Right. And they're going to audition after again, right. audition after audition, audition after audition. So, yeah. um, you know it is what it is, and just you know that's just part of the culture, and you know the I how dare you I am holier than thou attitude some people have about these competitions. Uh, I'm not talking about the contestants; I'm talking about people in general. Whatever I'm like, you have done a competition, you've competed in competition, you're probably judging a competition, and get well, on. and I just feel like uh, until it's
0: your money, like I, I I wholeheartedly agree with the argument that audience that artists should be paid more than what they're getting but that money has to come from somewhere and until you've been on the end where that money is coming out of your pocket whether or not somebody whether there's 5 people in the seats or there's 500 people in the seats that money is has to come from somewhere you don't know like you don't know what it's like to to have like your name your reputation and your money on the line and i haven't been doing it nearly as long as you have because you're so much older and 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 if not older, you look at older than I am. Um, it's just business. You just don't way. know it's what just, it's like until you're in that position. It's very easy to criticize. I feel
1: it's. I think people don't understand that there's a lot of work that goes into producing something, and they also don't understand that there's there are probably more costs than what you assume. Yeah. You know. Um, so it is what it is. I I don't take any of that to heart. It used to bother me, but I just. Uh, I refuse to apologize for being in business. And it's, it's, I think people, I think that sometimes that happens, um, especially in art, but like no one yells at Bill Gates, how dare you sell computers for 12 times the cost that you're making them? Like, yeah. no, it just, that's just ludicrous. Yeah. Do you really think that like your iPhone costs $800? No. Like, no, but they're in business. You know, I don't know. It is what it is. Well, uh, we're, we're almost to, to the end of our, our
0: hour together. Do we take calls the from time we, listeners so, Yes. We're now going to go to Doris in...
1: in uh, That's my favorite part of what, what happens. When <laughs> Wait, the, what's the that Google thing for
0: Lies at Home Shopping Network? We're now going to go to, to <laughs> uh, Doris in no, Georgia. No, not
1: Georgia. Hi, Georgia! Georgia! <laughs> Georgia,
0: for if you don't know what we're talking about, go to YouTube and search Eliza on Home Shopping Network. She's cracked out of her mind That's the entire time. That's what I wanted to be for it's um, so funny for Drag Race Snatch Game, Snatch Game yeah. was
1: Liza. I wanted to call RuPaul Rupee. <laughs> was Rupee, hi Rupee, Rupee. Do you remember that time at fifty four? It was terrific. Rupee. I was telling my mother the other time, I said, "Mama, I wanted to do, it, but I was, but it didn't. I didn't get that far, oh, so." I lost. Twice.
0: Spoiler alert for those who haven't seen those seasons. Uh, So we're winding down, but is there anything you want to tell the audience about? Uh, Any upcoming projects? Anything you want to plug? I call this section Plug Your Shit. When's this coming out? Uh, probably within the next couple weeks. Oh, okay. Two to four weeks, probably. Okay, two to four weeks of delivery. hmm Like a wig. Well, Satine's episode just came out today. Um, oh, okay. So, two to four weeks, depending on whether I want to release you bef- with someone else before
1: that. Oh, I see. Who knows? That's, we'll a see. Queue. That's a cute. That's a cute. I'm putting
0: a lot of these in the bucket. It's a very high demand. Oh, okay. This
1: couch and this microphone, it's a very high demand. Oh, okay. Um, what have we got? We, we have Drag Wars starts April 13th. Um, we have, uh... Drag Brunch.
0: DivaDragBrunch.com. Diva um,
1: at, at, is it
0: Diva Drag Brunch or Drag Diva Brunch? Dr,
1: dr, dr. One of those. One <laughs> of the two. Um, I just got a new website, though, for it. I'm going to start putting up DragTickets.com. That's a good one. That's coming soon. Uh, new, new, new venture. I have a new t-shirt line that's coming out soon. Called? Drag DragSwag. Nice. DragSwag.com. And um, what's well, going on? Uh, we're gonna be starting back up very soon over at uh Glow Bar for Sunday Fun days. That's coming back. We took a little break. while well, we got? It's, it's just too cold to watch drag Queen. Nobody Parents wants to. Start. Yeah, it's so it's,
0: last weekend. It was like I'm not gonna run around on the street. Yeah, the no. ice and the rain. It's
1: and, like gross. Yeah, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna come back in April with that. That's gonna be fun. And what else? Um, yeah, I'm a drag stars at sea cruises are happening. Go to dragstarsatsea.com. Um, I produce those and, um, if you would like to book some homosexual travel, go to dot travel. and there was something else that good. I had to plug, but I, now I'm, I'm completely blanking on it. Um, but yeah, stuff well, tell me it. and we'll add it in post. Oh, 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 we have a new, we have a new show coming. What show is that? A new show. Is that what a, new it's called, a new show? A new show? No, nope, it's a new show, and it's um and it the the debut date is going to be April fifteenth. Is this in Philadelphia? Yep. Oh. Yeah. So stay tuned for information on that. Oh. April fifteenth. Well, that's exciting. You
0: heard it here. Fresh scoop here on the Bevelations podcast. Uh huh. All right, Mimi. Well, this was fun. Yep. Thank you for joining me. Yep. It was fun. Have a safe flight back to a beautiful scenic uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah, I leave at 4 o'clock in the morning. Perfect. But I have a pool. Oh. I have a bathtub. I don't you can know. come visit me. I'll be, I'll be down in Tampa next month. Will you?
1: Yeah. As far from me, though. Yeah. No, okay. I don't know geography. It's anyway, like, yeah, thank you, say. kids. Say bye. 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 You got to say bye. I don't do that. That's not You have me. to. Everyone does it. Bye. There you, go. there you go. Bye. Bye.
0: Yay. So that was my... Ridiculous conversation with that stupid bitch, Miss Mimi. I'm first. You can find me on Instagram at it's Bev bitch and on Facebook at either my my uh, drag page simply Bev or my Facebook boy page Drew Bev Gaver. Uh, if you're interested in being a uh, being interviewed for my podcast, you can reach out to me at my. New email address, bevelationspodcast at gmail.com, where I will be compiling a list of all of my upcoming guests. Subscribe uh, to the podcast if you enjoyed it today. And as always, like I said, if you are looking to partner with this for sponsorship, just reach out and let me know. Until then, we'll see you next week. Bye.